Hey, this is Brian Sappet, and this is Zen and the Art of Manufacturing podcast, where we help manufacturers create calm and improve flow on the factory floor. And today we have with us Paul Dunlop from Australia. Hey, Paul. Hi, Brian. How are you? Pretty good. So Paul has had a pretty long career in uh, continuous improvement, but started in manufacturing and has kind of moved to uh, a lot of different industries and now doing some consulting. So do you mind giving us just a couple minute background on, on yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, so I started out fairly humbly, I would say, um, many years ago, too many years ago, working on the factory floor in a, a food manufacturing business. So I sort of fell into my manufacturing career. And funnily enough, I started working for a Japanese company. So funnily enough, being a lean guy working for a Japanese company and being Japanese doesn't automatically make you lean, but um, got some exposure there and started practicing the tools and developing a passion for lean. Um, Over the years, I've progressed through the the ranks of management. And um, yeah, so six years ago, I sort of started moving into the industry training and consulting space. And for the last four years, I've run my own consulting business, um, predominantly in the manufacturing sector. So I've got a client who I've started with recently who are a, a fabricator. So they they manufacture um, al- aluminium products um, and they have a, a couple of different product lines. And five years ago, they had a, a consultant come in. They implemented a, a Kanban pool system, probably one of the, the best Kanban systems I've seen. Um, but it was implemented from top down. So there was absolutely no engagement on uh, the front lines or even through middle management, no real understanding of the tool. The tool was dumb. They just followed the tool. Mm-hmm. And so what happened is um, COVID hit last year, volumes went through the roof 200% and the Kanban system failed. They had massive stockouts. And it's the, the learning for them has been, well, it's not the tool in and of itself isn't just doesn't just work we have to understand um what what's going on and why it's going on so that 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 to me really struck me and i see these sorts of sort of examples around the traps and again that's that's where things will fall over and where well there you go we can point the finger at that and say well th- that approach doesn't work the tool doesn't work it's simply because we, we lack the understanding and we lack the capability to to do more with it or to understand the purpose so in that case, do you if the team, you know, if the team went through this multi-year journey and built this capability internally, um, would that Kanban system been developed differently from the beginning or would it have been able to evolve? It would have evolved. It would have evolved because ultimately it stayed exactly the same as it was. Uh, they weren't reviewing um, their, their stock levels and things like that. They didn't understand tact, all, all of those sorts of things. So th- there's a lot that needs to surround it. And, and again, that's a great word that you use, evolution. That's what I'm interested in. And I'm interested in, you know, the, the team taking the ownership to make that evolution. I, I just sort of shine the light on things and, and be the, the, the tour guide, so to speak. Say, so, well, here's some tools. Um, here's how those these tools work and how you use them. But ha- how you make these tools work for you and how they look for you is really up to you. I'm, I'm not really interested in being dogmatic or prescriptive around those things because if you truly understand the purpose of this and what we're trying to achieve, which is ultimately get flow in your process, 
then you'll make it work and continue to make it work better and differently over time. Yeah. Makes sense. Hard. That's the hard part. <laughs> I think. <laughs> make it work differently over time. Hey, just a uh, random question. What's your definition of tact? Of tact? Yeah. Tact time, not you know, being tact. <laughs> um, yeah, so tact is basically a derivative of quantity uh, over time. So what, what is the, the rate of customer demand? That's how I would define tact. And most organizations would have no idea what that rate is. And so is that always directly connected to orders or can it be different kinds of demand or? So it can be internal demand as much as, so again, the, the Kanban system is an internal demand. Um, mm -hmm. Generally, it's driven by external custom customer demand. But it, many organizations will, even if they're using the word tact, they don't know what that means or they've worked out, they've done a value stream map two years ago and there was a tact time then, but they've kept with the same tact. Um, that, that same manufacturer using a, in their assembly, they're using a, a one and a half hour um, pulse time where the, the unit has to move. Now that was calculated on, again, a tack time that was calculated years ago, not reflecting the current rate of demand. So that's, again, it's got to reflect the current rate of demand almost on a, a daily or a weekly basis. Okay, so that was gonna be my other question, like how often do you update that? So if you can, you know, you should have daily visibility. Okay, sorry for the detour, we have, yeah, some yeah. internal discussions about that. I was just curious. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> just about like thinking about, you know what we do, we build software to help monitor machines and processes and stuff like that. And, and there's a lot of discussion about you buy machines from a, from a company that are rated to run at a certain speed, right? If they're building, you know, dedicated products. And then you have the reality that you see when you drop it into your process, which could be wildly different for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, if, if all you're really, if, if it can run, you know, a thousand parts an hour and all you're really capable of is 800, should you measure against 800 or should you measure against a thousand? You know, that kind of, or both Yeah, for different people. Um, I would say deal in reality. Yeah. And so well, if you're trying to improve it and then, you know, inch towards the goal essentially. Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, yeah, and that probably comes back to a conversation around targets and goals and objectives is that they, they have to be, um, you know, cliche, they have to be smart, but they, they have to be realistic um, and they have to be realistic about where you're at at that current moment in time. It, it's great to be aspirational. It's great to have, you know, stretch targets, but often I see that those targets are, are too stretch and unrealistic and then we start getting into making visual management and then everything's red and people feel bad and you know the targets are targets should help us to um, and i guess that opens up a conversation around standards in general but um i have a, a lot of conversations that, that sit around um objectives setting good quality and meaningful targets and that we're not I guess when we're looking at targets and particularly, you know, numerical um, objectives is that we're not, from a lean point of view, we're not chasing the, the target per se. 
that the, the target is a mechanism to help us have an, 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 an indicator around the health of our process. The, the, the outcome is telling us how healthy the process is. Is it, is it working? Is it not? Do we have some problems? And we can get a bit too caught up in chasing that number and feeling bad about the, the reds and the misses. And we don't have the conversation enough about the process itself. So, you know, if it's if it's green and, and we're hitting the target, then we need to be asking questions around why. Do we understand why we're hitting the target? Did the did the, the stars align and we just had a great day or the, what, what were the factors that helped us and how, how do we continue to do more of that? How do we capture that? Is it documented anywhere? It wasn't just blind luck. So I think often we, we skip that conversation and we focus too much on what went wrong. Um, and yes, we need to have that conversation, but we, we need to have both of those conversations. And again, if we get the, the, the process right, the result will come. In business, as in our personal life, if we focus on the right things, develop the right habits, give things the right focus, then the results will take care of themselves. And I think that's a little bit counterintuitive for some people, but that's the approach. If you're really serious about this over the long term and building a sustainable culture, that's the way we need to do things. So, again, it comes back to setting those the, the, the right targets at the right time. Sure, we can, we can adjust evolution again. Targets might need to be moderated up and down to, to be in the right place to give us the right amount of tension um, for, for want of a better word. I, I like how you think about that. I, I haven't heard that before. I mean, everything, every time we talk about metrics with customers, well, every time I've talked about metrics, like period in my career, it's all something you're chasing yeah. rather than measuring the health of your, of yeah. your process. So it's, I, I, I'm all for chasing, uh, you know, a, a goal or an objective, but it's just how you think about that. Because, uh, yeah. because I'll talk about wiring people for the problem rather than the solution. Why are people for the process rather than the outcome? Um, and, and then we're sort of getting, you're getting into the, you know, what, what's actually going on in, in people's heads. Because if we turn up every day and, you know, oh, it's red again and we didn't hit the target and then all sorts of things start to happen because we're, we're finger pointing, there's blame and there's fear and, and all those sorts of things. So it takes on negative connotations. And then we, we, we start to sweep things under the carpet and things are hidden and it's just, it, it, it's not good. So if we're approaching it in, in from a different way and that we're actually looking at the process rather than the outcome and we're focused on improving the process and learning, um, that's where the good stuff starts to happen. And, and, and the, the the rewards and the recognition and the acknowledgement come around that experimentation day to day, the PDCA activity. Okay, well, that worked, that didn't, what have we learned, blah, 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 blah. And, and that's where, that, that's lean thinking. That That's true, pure lean thinking when, when we're operating like that. So you, you talked a decent amount, like through the different stories and stuff we've talked about is, is keeping things simple, starting small. We've also talked a lot about habits and behaviors, right? Habits and behaviors are very hard to change in all, in everyone's life, right? No matter what it is, what are, you know, and, and you suggested like, if you, when you start, pick something that you know you can win at, right? And we, we blew through them pretty quick because I wanted to 
to kind of do a deep dive on this. But what are some of those things that you can start with that you that are relatively simple that you know you could win at? So again, that, that's probably just comes back to simply um, engaging. Again, I'm, I'm thinking on the on the front line out in a, out in a factory shop floor, is that simply starting to ask these questions around those those frustrations. So that, that, that Paul Akers approach of, you know, fix, fix what bugs you, you know, two sec- what, what can you do in two seconds? What can you make two seconds better, blah, blah, blah. Because that that becomes achievable in people's minds because too often, again, coming back to objectives, we're, we're, we're going to start a change process. We're, we're literally, we're standing at the foot of the mountain and we're looking at the top of the mountain. And for me and for most people, that's just, too overwhelming you know i'm sitting on the couch eating donuts and i want to run a marathon next week it's just it's not going to happen but can i put my running shoes on and run around the block tomorrow yeah i I can do that that's that's realistic it's yeah it's going to be a bit uncomfortable for me but it's definitely something i can do and i can celebrate that so i think my, my early conversations are certainly around just the exposing, exposing those small things, those quick and easy wins, and just doing something about it and challenging people to do something. Um, again, it comes back to, I think, giving people permission. So I, I use the analogy of, you know, someone might have a, let's say, a, a chair in their way in, in the factory. And so they're like, oh, you know, what, what bugs you? Well, I have to walk around that chair to get to where I need to be and blah, 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 and it's a pain in the ass. I'll say, well, just move the chair. And they're like, what? I, I can do that? And I'm like, yeah, just, just do it. Just just move the chair. And then just, you know, small, simple things like that can be extremely powerful to, to just getting some momentum. So just doing, I'm not sure if that's the best example, but just doing things where people can take some ownership, change something that's relatively small Sometimes what we think is relatively small can be something that's really big and really annoying to somebody who's doing that work each every day, eight hours a day. Um, and and the, even those, again, things that we might think are insignificant have a lot of power. So that's how the ball starts to roll. So early on, I educate people in waste so they understand the eight wastes, they understand the, the, the basic concepts of PDCA, and then we'll do some basic process mapping. I won't necessarily do a full, you know, technical value stream map. There's probably sometimes there's no, not even a need to do that. I know I'll be shot down in flames for saying that, but sometimes just a, a simple process map end-to-end, getting the right people in the room and talking about it flushes out most of what you get out of that anyway. If you're asking the right questions and you're framing it in the right way and you're, you're getting a lot of low-hanging fruit, a lot of quick wins, you're getting some meaningful projects and you'll also identify some of those bigger picture, resource-intensive type things, but it, it'll all be there um, and you can get that happening and moving very, very quickly. Yeah, I, I used to own a software, a software consulting company that implemented ERP systems and as you can imagine, you have to have process diagrams, right, to be able to figure out how the information flows between. And it was always really eye-opening when you would get all these different people in a room and just go through high level, take me through order to cash, right? Really high level, how it flows through the departments. And no one, it's hard for them to agree. No one knows what the other people do. It was really, really eye-opening. Yeah, yeah. And and again, it's, I I don't know why it surprises me every time, but it does. And, And there's so much assumption in the environment and those 
those conversations would never ever have happened if you didn't go through that process. And there's, there's so many things, like you say, they're like, Oh, I didn't know that happened there. I didn't know you did that. Or I didn't know you needed that to happen in that particular way. And you just cut through so much stuff. So, um, yeah, the, the, the power in just getting people together, the power of just a, a, you know, it's a brown paper and some, some sticky notes on the wall, but the power of visualizing something really gets, um, you know, the, the penny to drop and the conversation to happen. And, and again, that's really, for me, that's what Lean ultimately does. It, it, it facilitates a conversation. Yeah. That's it. So what's the, if, if you were going to implement or change a habit, like if you were going to pick one, what do you think the most important one is for an organization to develop to be successful in doing this kind of thing? Um, <clears throat> to, to start off with, I think it's it's daily visual communication. That's that that's the fundamental. Uh, I think that's from a lean perspective. Those daily stand up meetings, talking to the the key drivers of your business or process, is, is absolutely fundamental. You, you can't you can't do it without that. And I think. You know, there's wheels within wheels because it's it, it, it makes you and forces you to, to stick to a habit. It, it forces you to have certain conversations. There's, there's repetition, there's practice, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff that, that happens there. Um, so for, for me, that would be definitely the number one habit that, um, you know, any organisation implements. What's typically the structure of that meeting? So the structure of that meeting, again, in a, in a manufacturing environment would be, so I, I look at, you know, the, there's layers and structure, but a, a tier one meeting would be a meeting that happens on the shop floor. It would generally happen at the beginning of a shift or a day, and it would be no more than 10 minute meeting. And the meeting would, you know, traditionally follow the pillars of people, safety, quality, cost delivery. And we would look at the key daily metrics and again conversation starter so what i'm interested in out of a meeting like that is the issues that are raised and so issues and ideas that are raised and the action that will then happen as a result so the purpose of that meeting for me is about the conversation and about the documented follow-up activities so again the pdca activities that result from that meeting so the leader is to lead and facilitate. It helps us, again, talk about the right things. It helps get some, some energy and some um, motivation into the, into the day, particularly at the start of a day in a, you know, a cold shop floor or whatever it might be. So um, there's a lot of, um, I guess, ways of looking at this. It's, uh, again, if it's a Tier 1 meeting, the Tier 1 meeting is not about the leader. It's about the, the team and it's it's you know, it's their visual board, it's their meeting, They, it's a mechanism and a forum for, for them to express themselves, it's a forum to review performance because, again, <laughs> one of the first questions I ask in a client and I ask people in the business, I say, hey, what, do, what does a good day look like for you? And most people can't give me a good answer. Some people sort of glaze over and, you know, yep. can't say anything and, so I'll get some some jumbled up sort of sort of answer, but having those daily meetings and the repetition of those daily meetings makes it very very clear 
what it is we're trying to achieve and what a good day looks like. And so as part of that process, we're, we're going to review, okay, well, what happened yesterday? How did we go? You know, what was that performance? Um, the visuals give us a scoreboard. Again, those visuals should be the things that stimulate a conversation like we talked about. How, what's the health of our process like? You know, what are the things we need to keep doing? What are the things that are problems for us? And what are we going to do to address or correct those things? And it's amazing if you turn up every day and, and show up consistently, those 10-minute conversations can take you, <clears throat> you know, very, very far. Um, and, and lean is always, and we've talked about small things and simple things, lean is only about incremental steps. It's about tiny iterations each and every day. But when you're doing that and when you've got everybody engaged in that, when you look behind after six months, you've achieved so much. And people are like, wow, I can't believe we've, we've, we've done that. And it hasn't felt like you've done that. You've kind of continued doing your, your, your day job, but you've made all these tiny steps, all these little one percenters, and it adds up. Um, so that's, mm -hmm. for, for me, that's the power. If you're doing that and nothing else, that will take you a long way forward. Yeah, that meeting, I would bet, is a huge accountability driver because you got to show up every day and report on something, yeah. right? And it, it's also, again, there's that shift where the leader is accountable. The leader is accountable to the team because the, the leader, so the, the follow-up actions that happen, the leader doesn't necessarily have to be doing all of those, but the leader needs to facilitate. The leader needs to make them happen. Um, because then they're the one that are in the spotlight. If they're, that, that's their way to support their team. And so another thing I talk a lot about is that any organisation will have common problems, but I'll always say that there'll be three main problems there. And the three main problems will be around communication. So, you know, the, the type of communication, how often that communication happens, the style of that communication, it'll be around... Um, people having a voice and being heard in the organization. So we've, we've told them a hundred times and, and nothing ever happens and it'll be around performance management. So when I talk about performance management, I'm talking about people being acknowledged and thanked and rewarded for their, their, their productivity or their performance and their behavior, as well as the below standard um, and below expectations, performance and behaviors not being addressed either. So I think that, that, meeting can tick a lot of those boxes and ensuring that we're, we're, we're clear, um, we're repeating, we're practicing, we're going through and developing those habits each and every day. And like I said, the leader then is highly accountable to the team. Um, any issues that are raised and addressed, you know, it's got a date, it's got a, a someone that's going to be following that up and accountable and responsible for that. It's got a following update. We've got visibility on the status so there's, there's no hiding. It's very clear. It's very um, clearly expressed and exposed so that we, ha we have that because accountability is a, such a, an integral part of um, a lean environment. So how, how are you tracking those things? Like, and I've seen a lot of the example boards that you've put together, communication boards, which are amazing, like organized, color-coded, pretty impressive. Um, are, are you doing those with cards or how, how do you track, you know, those ideas and issues through the process to make sure they don't get dropped? It can be done a number of ways and, and I'm pretty open to how that's done. So I've, I've done it a number of different ways, whether they've been laminated cards that, that progress through or whether it's just 
you know, a lined out whiteboard where it's it, it's documented and then rubbed off when it's when it's complete. Um, I, I put some, you know, uh, again, I, I don't really, I, I, I'm not really care or I don't have a lot of care around how it's done just as long as it's done. So it's just just got to be documented. Like I said, it's got to have a date. It's got to be documented. It's got to have someone responsible, and it's got to have uh, a follow up. And my view is it shouldn't sit there for any any longer than ten working days. There's got to be churn. It's got to be seen to be moving. Um, otherwise, you know, it just it probably reinforces the stereotypes that nothing ever gets done around here, and no one's listening, and no one follows up. So that's again where the the, it's setting the leader's work. I, I know in my time as a team leader, as a supervisor, as a production manager, uh, alongside my standard work, this that was the other next priority. Okay, I have to be following these things up. I have to be making sure that even if it's not done, that people are getting feedback on this. It's so important because, again, respect for people. I'm asking you the question. You're giving me feedback. I'm documenting this. I need to give you the respect that, yes, my commitment is to action this or my commitment is that at least I'm giving you feedback on if it's it, it's not possible or it's not a, a now thing or it's taking a little bit longer, whatever it is. And, again, that's how how trust is built, um, you know, because there's often that us and them culture in, in many businesses. So that that's, again, that, that servant leadership, that accountability for leadership, if they do that and they can, again, turn up and, and do that every single day, then that's extremely powerful and things will start to change, you know, relatively quickly. What do you think is going to happen in this field and, and continuous improvement and lean in, in general in the future? I mean, is the future just more companies adopting this or is there some kind of evolution of it or what do you think? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question. One I haven't I haven't thought about too much, to be honest. Um, I think there's evolutions in, in the way in terms of using, you know, digital platforms and, and things like that, in, just in terms of the tools that make this happen. But for me, lean is, lean is and always will be about what's happening inside people's heads, in, in their brain. Um, and and it's, it's more about psychology and neuroscience than anything else. And I think that's where the conversation needs to be around lean. I, I don't think we we in the lean world really understand what's going on under the hood, so to speak. We, we, we follow the tools, we follow the process, we, sometimes we follow the dogma, whatever it might be. But really what, what's happening and, and what we're doing to engage people, um, I, I don't think that's really seen. So I, I think, and that, that conversation I think is starting to happen, but it's not big or, or loud enough at the minute. So I think for me that's, that, that's probably the, the evolution is, is more around understanding. I think the approach in itself um, works and it, I think it's, it's stood the test of time. It, it will stand the test of time because it is fundamentally about human beings. Um, and I, I, again, you know, I spend time on LinkedIn. I see, you know, the, the conversation globally and if, if, you, if you think it's about numbers and tools, then, you know, you've got it wrong. It, it is fundamentally about people um, and if you focus on that and again approach that in the right way engage people get leaders to to lead in the right way then this I, I think stands the the test of time how, how do you think robotics and automation change things or do they I don't think 
they do change things, really. Um, you know, I think you probably go back even 20 or 30 years and, you know, robots are going to take over the world and, you know, put everybody out of a job. But it's just not the case. It needs, it, human beings need to, to program and operate and, and, and do those things. Sure, there's um, efficiencies from, you know, a, a cost and perhaps a, a labour point of view, which, again, is not, not the purpose of lean in any way, shape or form um, and I, I think should be seen as something apart or something different from from lean um yeah automation yes is is, is going to be part of the conversation but I, I i don't think it changes anything from a, a fundamental point of view I, I don't either i was just curious about your opinion mm-hmm. machines at this point don't problem solve very well they can't think how people can They're, it's just uh, yeah i agree with what you said yeah but it still fits within a culture of, of humans inside of a company so i don't know that it it changes much Cool. Well, we're almost to the end of the hour that we set aside here. Um, so it's been a really good conversation that's covered a lot of different areas. Uh, I, I do like to ask a couple of questions to everybody you know, that I interview. One of them is, where do you go to learn new things in general? It doesn't have to be about lean, but... <laughs> um, yeah, sort of probably a couple of places. So, I, so from a, a personal development point of view, so I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, so I have my, my favorites there, which have exposed me to a lot of different people and a lot of different types of thinking and all the rest of it. So, yep, that, that's been a big one for me. I read every day, so I, I read widely. Um, I don't read lean books. <laughs> um, probably my family, so my, my wife and kids um, challenge me on a daily basis. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely learning from them each and every day and, and from my clients. Um, I think one of my things is that when I walk into a client and engage with people, I'll say, Hey, I'll learn way more from you than you will from me. And I mean that, and that, that happens every single day. So, um, yeah, I, I consider myself a, a humble learner. Um, I'll always be learning and I'm always open to, to something new and different. So, um, yeah, I, I love it. So what are some of your favorite podcasts? And don't say this one. Uh, yeah, this one, definitely. Um, so uh, Lewis Howes, School of Greatness, um, fantastic podcast. Um, so Tim Ferriss's podcast, um, Tom Bellew, um, Ryan Holiday's Daily Stoics, a, a great one. So there's, there's there's a bunch of good ones out there. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a few others, but that, that's sort of the, the main ones. Cool. There's just a few that I've heard, a few that I've haven't. So I'll, I'll check those out. I've yeah. A lot of them too. Um, what's, what's something that you learned as a kid that stuck with you your whole life? Mm. Um, probably it comes back to discipline and, and perseverance. So this, this is a bit left of center. So I, I'd learned to play bagpipes when I was a kid. So when I was, I don't know, 11 or 12. I was, I was born in Scotland but came to Australia when I, when I was eight, so came to Australia and learned to play bagpipes. But um, I, I played in a, in a band, in a marching band, and, you know, I'd, I'd be doing that since I was sort of 14 or 15 once I was, was good enough to do that. And I, I was given a position of responsibility and would be out choosing the music and tuning the instruments of, you know, a bunch of 20 adults. And 
I, I learned a lot through through that 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 responsibility and taking that leadership and just the the structure, but also the the discipline and the practice of learning a, a musical instrument, which is challenging whatever um, musical instrument you're playing. So you know, practicing for half an hour or an hour every single day. So those those disciplines, those lessons have really stuck with me and founded a lot of what I do now. So, um, yeah, that, that's not sure that's what you want, but that's, um, yeah, that, that's something that's stuck with me. Yeah, there's no wrong answers to that. Do you still play bagpipes? No, I try not to. <laughs> <laughs> you pick up a different instrument? Um, no, I've, ha- I've hacked around on the guitar a little bit, but no, I think my, my I'd rather, I'm a better listener than, uh, than player. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, uh, is there anything, anything you want to add? Anything you want to plug at the end of this? Um, so uh, just from a, a plug point of view, um, yeah, happy to connect with, with people on LinkedIn. So please um, look me up. So just Paul Dunlop. Um, I post pretty much every single day. So um, yeah, happy, happy to engage and connect with people and also um, my website. So Dunlop Consultants, so www.dunlopconsultants.com.au. Um, again, um, I have I've certainly over the last year met lots of people in the lean community and outside of the lean community globally, which has been fantastic. And I've, uh, again, if you talk about learning, I've learned a lot through, through those conversations. All right, cool. Thanks. So this has been Zen in the Art of Manufacturing, where we help manufacturing companies create calm and improve flow and we've been with paul dunlop today thanks paul i really appreciate your time no thank you brian and um love the conversation appreciate you having me on it's been great me too thanks